If you are one of the forgiven and you can stand, stand up. If you're not yet forgiven, claim it by faith. Thank you, choir. Take your scriptures, go to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. Oh, what a wonderful anointing today. Mark, chapter 12. The Holy Spirit guided me there last week here to Mark 12 and has brought me back for the purpose of this moment. Two Sundays ago, I spoke to you on obsessed with Jesus. Last Sunday, I spoke to you on the subject totally from the scripture. A couple of Sundays before that, I spoke to you on what is your temperature? Lukewarmness. You see, I've asked the Lord in January during our week of prayer and fasting to visit us with the fires of revival and the power of miracles. And I found the prescription in The formula, Mark 12, verse number 28. By the way, uh, to the ladies, that all of you know that next Saturday, 4 to 6, as Brother Pastor Darrell has mentioned, just get a a ticket for the ladies' tea in honor of Miss Valerie from the atrium. It's complimentary. And I wanted you to be aware where you could obtain that. Verse 28, Mark 12. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, What is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Oh, help me, Jesus. God has something to say to us today. And I'm just allowed to be that vessel. But I'm telling you, you don't have to leave here like you came. Stretch your hands this way and pray for me. Because if you pray for me, and I pray for you, together we'll be helped. Come on, offer a prayer. God, I know we've got calendars and iPods and the faxes and text and email and all kinds of cell phones. and We've got a lot of things in our lives that could call us away from this word. But Father, I pray this morning that nothing would steal the jewels, the gems, and the wisdom of the word of God. Father, would you anoint me with a fresh anointing? Would you give me energy and strength? Would you give me recall and recollection and impartation? And would you touch everybody here? God, we come to you at different levels this morning. Different levels of needs, different levels of enthusiasm, different levels of uh, commitment. But we want you today, God, to make us one in Christ. God, change us to be more like Jesus. For that we pray. And amen. Thank you for being seated and thank you for your worship. One consuming passion. Matter of fact, if I could elaborate on just this little title here that's been selected. is What I'd like to do this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit is to ask God to reignite our passion for God. If you're acquainted with a propane gas heater or natural gas heater, 
you know that they have a pilot light. Have you, any of you have had to relight a pilot light in any of those kind of units? Could, could you raise your hand? No one talking about it? Yeah. If the pilot light is out, there will be no flame for heat which leads to comfort. And sometimes in, the, in this pilot light, there can be over season when you're not using it in the summertime. It can extinguish. There can be a uh, buildup of corrosion or some sort of... Uh, obstruction and come fall when it starts getting colder you go to light this thing uh, you got to be careful because if you let too much natural gas out and the pilot light's not lit when it does come on uh, we're going to see you at a darker tan <laughs> occasionally in our walk with Jesus the pilot light needs to be relit the passion pilot light occasionally now walk with God we get mundane mediocre customary I have come to believe that the creative force behind all great art all great drama the creative force behind all great music all great architecture all great writing is this thing called passion Allow me to go further. Nothing great is ever accomplished in our life without passion. And nothing great that we might have accomplished through the help of God, God getting the credit, will ever be sustained, keep going, without passion. I celebrate and I'm grateful for 25 years, but I'm going to need passion to keep going forward. I'm not about ready to sit back on my leaves and just collect the benefits of, of the last 25 years. I want the pilot light to be relit because there's a world still lost. The devil's still alive and demons are still at work. And we need the power of passion and God. Now, before I get too far into this, let me give you a little definition here from Webster's Dictionary. Webster defines passion as intense driving. Overmastering feeling or conviction. Passion is further described as intense emotion, compelling action. <laughs> wow, after dating Valerie for several months, 31 years ago, I felt intense emotion, <laughs> compelling action. And you know the rest of the story. Passion can be defined as strong desire or emotion to some object, activity, or concept. Brothers and sisters, passion is what energizes life. Passion makes the impossible possible. Passion gives you a reason for getting up in the morning and saying, I'm going to do something with my life today. Because without passion, life becomes boring and monotonous and routine and dull. You see, God created you and I with the emotions to have passion in our lives because God wants us to be passionate in life. You, you might just know this. Passion mobilizes armies into action. Passion is what causes explorers to boldly go where nobody has gone before in pursuit of knowledge. Passion is what causes scientists and people of research to spend late night hours trying to find a cure for some dreaded disease. Passion, if you will, is what takes a good athlete and makes him or her a better athlete, 
even the best, so that they could win perhaps the gold and the silver and the bronze, breaking records. You've got to have passion in life. From our text, one day a man walks up to Jesus and he says to Jesus in today's thinking and speaking, Lord, what's the most important thing in the Bible? He actually asked, Lord, what is the greatest commandment of all? Because the Pharisees, you see, had 613 commandments whereby they imposed on people to live by, some of which they did not live by themselves. And the Pharisees were always arguing which of the 613 commandments we have is the greatest of all. And Jesus answers the question when he responds by saying, I want you to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Nothing matters more than that. Somebody say amen. Jesus is in effect saying the number one thing in life is for we to love him passionately. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God doesn't want you to love Him half-heartedly. God, does, he, God wants you to love Him and I to love Him with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my soul, and all of my energy. Passion! I'll, I'll paraphrase. I like the paraphrase. matter of fact, Eugene Peterson writes in the message, his rendition of this verse is beautiful. Love the Lord with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. I think that composes all of us. The word passion underlined here in this verse comes from the Greek word that means heart. And the Lord says, I want you to put some heart into our relationship. I want you to put some muscles, some, some energy, some emotion in that you call me your Savior and Lord, I want you to don't be namby-pamby and half-hearted and have a wimpy relation. Occasionally I like to eat at Zaxby's. And I'm not getting any money for this. If you're working for Zaxby's, you like to leave me a coupon, that's fine. They got variety. Donnell of hot sauces, one of which is called Wimpy. <laughs> Wimpy, can you see me, the muscular, muscular make of a man that I am, towering statue of manhood, going to ask to have an extra portion of Wimpy? <laughs> I want some tongue torch. Let's do this right. Come to church some Sunday morning. And, you know, it's like if we don't push your button, then it's our fault. If the song ain't right, the music ain't right, and your pew is occupied, we kind of lose a sizzle. <laughs> you ain't here about my song, your song, your seat, your car, your pew. You ain't here about, you. if you are here sincerely and you have a relationship with Jesus, we don't care if you got to sit on the carpet and there were no carpet and there were no air condition and there were no, there was no kind of padded pews. If I am passionate about Jesus, I give him my all. In case you miss it, Paul says in Colossians 3 and 23, whatever you do. Do it all your heart as unto the Lord and not unto men. You get the point? 
You see, here's the amazing thing in America. The amazing thing in America is that it's okay to be passionate about anything except God. It's politically incorrect to be passionate about God, the God of the Bible and the Jesus of Scripture. You can be passionate about Islam. You can be passionate about Hare Krishna and the Dalai Lama. You can be passionate about the other cults. But don't get passionate about the Ten Commandments and about Jesus and the crucified one and saying he's the only one for which, to which, through which you can get to heaven. Because that's a political no-no. And yet, in spite of all the political garbage, Jesus stands up and says, Thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, and all thy strength. I intend to make heaven one day, and I'd rather be politically incorrect and biblically accurate because Jesus died for me, not politics. Somebody ought to give a little passion of praise here. Please write this down and remember this. Everything in life conspires to keep you from being passionate. Especially about God. You are now starting this year. I'm going to read my Bible through this year. I've never done it before, but I'm going to read my Bible through at least one time this year. And the devil will make sure you are distracted with the National Enquirer, TV Guide, People Magazine. That all of which do not deserve your time. You make, a, you make a passionate desire in your heart. I'm going to tithe and give and honor God this year. And I'm going to prove God because it belongs to Him. 10%, everything i got, God's given me. You make a desire that you're passionate about putting God first financially. And the devil will give you a flat tire, a broken freezer, uh, uh, somebody needing dental care, doctor care. Just in order to stop you from reaping the harvest. Can I get an amen here? You know, you, know, you remember when you first got saved. You remember what zeal, what passion, what zest you had? Man, you remember what God brought you from. And some of you, you've been saved for a while. You've forgotten that nobody would give you the time of day because you messed up everybody else's life. Some of you have been sinners to where, where you thought you could sin to yourself, but you ruined your mom and dad's house. You ruined your friendships with others. You lost your job because of the addiction, the bondage, the lying, the cheating, the backstabbing. You lost friends and you were like the prodigal son. You had friends when you were paying the bill, but now you needed the bill pay and they left you in a hog pen of a situation. Can I get an amen? amen? And after you hurt people's feelings and all that kind of stuff, you heard a gospel song or you heard a gospel message or some grandma or some grandpa a thousand miles away got to praying for you and conviction gripped your soul and you cried in your hog pen condition and repented. And God says, come on back to the father's house. I will give you a ring. I'll give you a robe and you can eat at my table. You thought, what a great deal. What a great deal. Oh, I can be passionate about that. I, I was on my way to hell, but now I'm on my way to heaven. I was lost, and now what a great deal. I got my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. When people see me, they don't see me with slop of the world on me. They see me as a blood-washed child of God. What a great deal. And man, when you first got saved, you'd buy the biggest Bible, go to every prayer meeting, every revival, go to church, teach Sunday school class, volunteer for every ministry. But not long after the devil gave you about three months of that, the helium in your balloon of joy began to dissipate. Because that's how the devil does, because everything in life conspires to keep you from being passionate. Why does that happen? Why do we run so well for a season and then deflate? Because there's some things known as passion killers. Some of which I'm going to expose beginning right now. The first passion killer I would highlight is an unbalanced schedule. By that I mean either you're overworked or underworked. If you're overworked or underworked, it's going to kill your passion. 
I have come to appreciate from Scripture and from my own personal journey that life is a series of seasons. I mean, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there's a time for etc. There's time to be born, there's a time to die, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to cry, etc. All of, nobody's an exception, we all go through seasons. The Bible has so orchestrated our life and God to creation. Not only do life go through seasons and cycles, it goes through rhythms of highs and lows and highs and lows and in between. No exception. And in order for us to be able to be passionate and, and to serve God and overcome some stuff in this life, we, we have got to understand this thing of balance. We need both input in our lives and we need also to give out from what we've gotten. We need both rest and we need both Work. Give me another amen here, somebody. I am saying to to you, if you work too much, you'll lose your passion. If you work too little, you'll be bored and lose your passion. I want you to understand, my guess is, is in a crowd this size that preceded you and you are here, in a crowd this size, half of you need to work less and the other half of you need to work more. I was going to give him an offering, but I changed my mind. Okay, here we go. Look what Psalm says in Psalm 127 and 2. It is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late night, fearing that you're going to starve to death. For God wants His loved ones to get proper rest. You see, there's a twofold problem going on. The first of it is that for some of you, you're always giving out. I mean by that, you're always helping, you're always sharing, you're always serving and working and being very generous. Always giving out and never taking time to recharge. See, and that, that's what I, we want at South Metro Ministry in our staff meetings and in the other meetings for where we empower volunteers. We've got to have a lot of people helping us make things happen here. One for them, there'd never be this kind of church. But you can be in a ministry and you can be a usher, a greeter, hospitality, security, children's, youth, choir, recovery house, Joseph's storehouse. You can be in a ministry and if all you ever do is work for Jesus, work for Jesus, work for Jesus, work for Jesus, work for And you don't balance it with getting some quiet time with Jesus. With getting in the sanctuary every once in a while. Getting in your prayer closet, reading your Bible every day. Working for Jesus can overwork you and it can make you uh, a person who gets involved in this thing known as... Compassion fatigue. Always giving out, never taking in. Here's what compassion fatigue really is. You just stop caring. You don't care about God anymore. You don't care about other people anymore. You don't care about the church anymore. You don't care about anything. Because you're burning out from too much work and too much service. And and you get to the place where you have cared and cared and cared and cared. And eventually you think nothing is being returned. Because I haven't taken the time to have balance. Can I get another amen? Amen. I I tell you that many men and women and ministries have lost their passion. And some ministry leaders, high visibility, have even lost their marriage and their family and their ministry. Because they were so busy putting out for Jesus, traveling everywhere for Jesus, attending every ministry and every concert and every event and being the guest of honor, doing all this stuff for Jesus. And they never took their time to love their spouse, to keep courting in their marriage, to caress their children, to build up their own life until now they've quit the ministry altogether. And some people even resent God. You all hear me, aren't you? On Wednesday, at the funeral of 
Mrs. Geraldine Addis in Noonan. I took Pastor Darrell Fowler after we prayed over her and did the commitment. I said, I want to take you to a tombstone in this cemetery I saw months ago. It's a tombstone that's sort of like a mausoleum. It's, very, it's about four feet off the ground. It's built for two marble. On the one side, the, the, the man has already gone because his name is there and his birth date and his passing date. On the other side is evidently his wife, her birth date, but no passing date because she is still with her family. Thank the Lord. But this tombstone has haunted me. On the tombstone, it said, gave so much, etched in marble. This is the epitaph. It's etched with a hammer. Gave so much and got nothing in return. I have never seen an epitaph like that. I don't want that to be said over my life. God doesn't want that to be said over your life. That speaks of hurt and bitterness. You've got to take time to light the pilot light of your soul with God. You got to say, Pastor, we need a little break from this ministry for three months so we can sit in the house and we can be nourished by God. Pastor, I love people, but I've been operating on the guilt and I've allowed my family to go and my job to go and, and I'm feeling so miserable. I want to bail out of church. God doesn't want that. Now, here's the opposite of that. The opposite of that is there are others here this morning. You're always taking in, but you're never giving out. You thought I forgot you, didn't you? You go to Bible studies, you go to teachers and speakers, you listen to radio and TV evangelists, and and, and you listen to tapes, and you have CDs, and you have seminars you attend. You go to Christian concerts and workshops and go to church all the time. You're always learning, always taking in, always growing, always having input, but you're never giving out anything. You don't have any ministry. You don't have any mission in life. You're not really helping anybody. <laughs> One preacher said it this way, and I, I like to repeat what he said. And I like to quote him because I don't want any rotten tomatoes pelted at me. But the preacher said it this way. Those kind of people are always taking in, never giving out. You're getting fatter and fatter and fatter until pretty soon we're going to have to roll you down the aisle. As a holy roller. Now, I don't know what, what the problem is, but for some of us, we're taking in too much and not giving out at all. And some of us, we're giving out too much and not taking anything at all. It's called balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please remember this. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us this morning. I don't have it on the screen, but I want you to hear this. Bible study without ministry is extremely dangerous. Amen. Coming to church every Sunday and getting the song, getting the worship, getting the praise, getting the sermon, and never ministering in the name of the Lord... It's very dangerous. How can you determine that, Pastor? Because the Bible says it. James 4 and 17, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. Please, I want you to see this remark on the screen. The more you know about God's plan for your life, the more responsible you are for that knowledge. God don't intend to tank me up and tank you up with all the praises, all the worship, all the scripture, all the promises. And all I do is sit there and just receive it. I want to tell you, God is going to hold us accountable for what we know. 
Knowledge begs responsibility. If I know Jesus saved the lost and he saved me, i got to find somebody else and tell them. If I know Jesus has given me life and given me a job and given me an income and he asked me to tithe and give, then I am responsible for obeying. If I know I ought to live a holy and a pure life without sleeping around and sexual promiscuity, then I must guard myself. I am responsible. Yeah. I'm responsible for it. I don't care if you got the King James, NIV, CEV, NKJV. I don't care what kind of translations you have. If it's not making a difference in your lifestyle and your passion and your service to God, then you will die. First Timothy 1 and 7 says this, Take the time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. We go to a lot of trouble just to keep ourselves physically fit sometimes. Now, I know I don't look like it, but I, I do try to do some walking every week, every day. I try to walk a couple miles a day, five times a week, maybe ten miles sometimes. And if the weather is bad, I'll do it inside on the treadmill. If it's good, I'll go outside. And then a day when I get up in the morning, and I know after I do my prayer and my devotion, it's time to walk, that I don't feel like this is not a good day to walk, Alan. (laughs) Everything in my flesh cries out, skip today. The next day, if I skip today, the next day it says, it felt so good yesterday. Just make a week of it. If you walk, you exercise, you eat right, God bless you. You all hearing me? Some of you probably laughing at me. Oh, he really thinks he does something. Walk two miles. Some of you, my Lord, you, you pump iron. You do aerobics. Thank God the Holy Ghost hasn't told me that yet. And don't you come telling me the Holy Ghost told you to tell me, tell me that. Oh, slap. Well, I heard you just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. We take the time and trouble to make sure our bank account balances. Give me an amen. To make sure our kids get to their appointments, soccer, cheerleading. We take the time and trouble to put the food. We got, the, the Bible says, take the time. And yes, sometimes it's trouble. All of you got up this morning, the devil told you, this look like a stay home Sunday. He's going to yell. And spit and sweat, and you don't want to get any on you. Because the devil wants you to be mediocre. Help me, Jesus. An unused talent will steal your passion. I'm t- listen to me what I found out. First Peter 4.10 Each of you has been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts... To be used in the service of others. So use your gifts well. You may not be convinced of this, but God said it, and he cannot lie. He said, each of us have been blessed with gifts and talents and skills and abilities. If I have a gift as a pastor or shepherd... It's because God has given it to me. He's still working on me. 
But my gift is not for Alan. My gift is for others. If you have a gift of an intercessor, a prayer warrior, a hospitable person, a businessman, a businesswoman, if you have skills and talents, you can do mechanical things, you can do mathematical things, you can do construction things, you can do uh, aviational things. If you have a... God has given every... I don't care what your name is, what your size is, what nationality you're from, everybody, God didn't create junk, everybody has a special, wonderful gift. If you don't lose your, use your talent, you're going to lose your talent. If you don't use your gifts, God didn't just give you gifts for you to make money with it. God didn't put you in this world to give you a talent gift for you to make money that's going to fade away and burn away and you're going to need more money later on. God gave you your gifts. Yes, He wants you to make a living, but He gave you a gift so you could have meaning and purpose and life and give meaning and purpose and life to others and as a result expand the kingdom of God. If you don't use your gifts, you're going to lose it. In high school, I played the trombone. In college, I played the trombone. When we first came over to the church down the road, I played the trombone. I haven't played the trombone in maybe 15 years. I have it. It's silver. I got the slide oil. I got the, the wiping rag. I got, I got the whole thing. Somebody said to me because they've been here a while and they knew that I played the trombone. When are you going to pull that trombone out and play it again? Never. Probably. Because I've lost it, I think. You know what kind of lips it takes for you to pump that thing? I have been playing it. If I try to practice this week, I'm going to come with lips covering my face next Sunday. (laughs) And some of you got gifts and talents. And you are fed up and miserable and you don't know what's going on in your world. And you're just tired of the grind of go to work, pay bills, go to bed, go to work, pay bills. I'm telling you, church, that God has given you gifts. You won't find, you will never be 100% satisfied in a job, a secular job. No secular job will make you 100% satisfied because God never designed that your satisfaction will come from a secular job. God designed that your satisfaction will come from ministry and service and using your gifts and serving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and spirit. Somebody clap your hands and thank God for that. Listen to me. I read a statistics reveal, and I need to hurry. Statistics show that 70% of Americans in the workforce work jobs where they do not use their gifts and their talents and their skills. That is miserable. That is miserable to have 70% of those in the workforce who don't use their gifts and talents and abilities. That's a loss of passion. And I'm saying to you, I believe even in the, in the Christian church, even in, in the church, even at South Metro Ministries, my God, help us not to be that kind of a person. Give us passion, Holy Spirit. Can somebody say amen? Here's a third thought I want to hurriedly give you. Unconfessed sin will always rob you of passion. Few things will rob you of your joy and your confidence and your passion more quickly than guilt. The guilt of sin. Now here's the truth. We cannot feel enthusiasm and guilt at the same time. 
You and I can't feel guilt and passion at the same time because guilt by its very definition robs you of your passion. If you've got skeletons in your closet, you know I'm talking about hidden stuff. Mama hadn't seen it, daddy hadn't seen it, boyfriend, girlfriend hadn't seen it, wife, husband, but you got stuff in your mind, secret sin, secret passion, secret loss, secret language, uh, things that you do that, uh, that you think, I can do this and still have a relationship with God. You, you have fooled yourself. He said, love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your spirit. The Bible says you cannot serve God and mammon, meaning God and money or God and materialism. What kind of God will ask you for everything is the same God who gave you everything. So the Bible tells us in Psalm 38, 4 and 6 about guilt. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and I am brought low. That's what guilt and shame will do. Hidden stuff in our lives. Secret things. Internet, computer. Alcohol, drugs, loss, language, anger, hate, resentment. Here's the beautiful thing about God, however. You don't have to carry that one more minute. I'm talking to you right here, almost 1230 South Metro Ministry, Sharpsburg, Georgia, March 7, 2010. The devil will tell you this is the way it's always going to be. No, 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 no. The Bible says in 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can I get an amen? This word confess means we agree with God. If God says, Alan, there's some blemishes in your life. And he shows me what it is. My job is not to resist God and tell him he's wrong. Can I get an amen? If the Holy Ghost, while I preach or the choir sings or while you're driving your car and you're praying or the way you may be doing something else, says, you know, you got some stuff going on and you've been asking me to give you a better job. You've been asking me to bless your marriage. You've been asking me to help you with this problem. But now what you have to do is confess. Confess means I agree with God. Yes, God, you're right. I'm wrong. I have said the wrong thing. I've done the wrong thing. I've gone the wrong place. I've hanged with the wrong people. I've lived the wrong lifestyle. Thank you, God, for loving me enough to convict me. I agree I'm a sinner right now. Wash away my sins. Cleanse my life. Change me. And immediately, God will lift the guilt and the glory will come down. Somebody praise Him. You don't have to live as a secret agent something. Be passionate about God. You don't have to worry whether I see you at Walmart, Kmart, or any other mart. Because you're living one way the other day and another way the other way. Yeah. Well, I sure hope nobody shows up today. Confess! Agree with God! Who do you think you're fooling anyhow? Oh, God, help me. I ain't trying to be... Today is the day of salvation. One more thought. Kills our passion is unresolved conflict. You know, you got a zeal, you got a vision, you're going to do a ministry, you're going to be a better marriage, you're going to be a better boss, a better employer, a better coach, a better student, a better teacher, better husband, wife. Passion. Going to be in the ministry. Going to help people who are struggling in their lives and marriages. And you start your day. Before you walk out of the house, some words are exchanged with your spouse and there's a conflict. 
And it just takes all the wind out of your sail. That's what conflict does. Give me an amen here, somebody. What I want to show you is, is that there can be situations at home or at work or in your marriage or with your children that if you don't deal with them and work them through with the wisdom of the Holy Ghost and a heart that's open to forgive, you'll lose your passion. I want to show you three passion-killing emotions quickly that you and I have to deal with if we're going to be victorious. Resentment, jealousy, and prolonged anger. Please hear me. Please listen to me. I, I am going to be very transparent with you and tell you this. In my 25 years of pastoring this church, I have hurt some people And I have been hurt by some people. Did y'all hear me? And as I review this time, I think there might have been the opportunity for revival to happen sooner here if I wasn't resentful or angry. You see, the book of Job says that resentment destroys the fool and jealousy kills the simple. We, we, we need to have the... We, we can say we forgive, but if we hold resentment and anger, we haven't forgiven. If we're waiting for our moment with them so we can shake our finger in their face and have the last word, that steals your passion. If I allow jealousy of somebody else's ministry, and over the years, I'm just going to be transparent with you. I'll talk about me, and in a minute I'll talk about you and have you stand up. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> Different times in this, in this ministry where other people's ministry has grown faster, and we started out together at the same time. There have been times in this ministry where guys I graduated college from with, with and, and others and I've seen them get promotions and, and other kinds of things and I've seen them, and I don't mean that I'm, I'm a saintly here. I'm just being transparent, okay? I've seen the politics of human uh, who you know work. I mean, no, it doesn't just work in the world. It works in the church. Yeah. And I thought to myself, after all I've done, here I am, sweating and losing all my hair over this church. I don't know what y'all are laughing at. <laughs> Anger. You and I have been angry at people because of how they've done us. It'll steal your passion. I've said this before. Let me say it again. If I allow resentment, jealousy, and anger to dwell in my life, it's like me drinking poison, hoping it'll kill Lewis. You get the logic of that? I'm killing me. Amen. They are on their happy way in Hawaii. <laughs> no reflection there, Pastor Roger. You didn't go from Hawaii to Hawaii from here. Pastor Roger's with us this morning. I want to go say that, that he was. He's the founding pastor of this church. Stand up, Pastor Roger and Sharon. I wasn't going to do it, but now I'm in charge. We'll argue later. Stand up. Give, give this man a God. A God bless you.
I love you. Now, let me make the point. He was here yesterday morning at the breakfast, and I said this. The point is, we could have departed ways 25 years ago. This bishop, Pastor Powell, and me. Because I'm following in what he sowed. And what the devil would have wanted us to do is to break our friendship. I'm here because they obeyed the vision. He plowed and planted and sowed a seed. And I've come to help bring the harvest in. And I've done some plowing and other kinds of things. And I told him because of some of the members he left me when I came. That sometimes I wanted to kill him and other times I wanted to hug him. Listen to me. Times and seasons. The divorce is over. The papers are signed. Keep praying and loving. But go on to the next season. Can anybody hear me? Okay. They wrongly accused you. They did the wrong thing. You had to go to jail. You served your time. You're out now. Go on to the next season. Anybody hearing this preacher? Huh? You know, I mean, you, you were treated wrong. You were due for the next person on the ladder for promotion. You served your time. You showed up when nobody else did. You came in early and stayed in late and didn't get paid extra for it because you were devoted and passionate about the job. And somebody else got to go up higher than you. Let it go. Through Jesus' blood, let it go. Don't kill yourself. This is a new day. You still have talents and abilities. Please please hear me. Moses, the day he died, 120 years old, the Bible says his strength was as powerful as when God first called him. But his time, his season was over, so God called him. Can I get an amen? Amen. Listen, I I don't care if you're 80 or 8. I don't care if you're 18 or 58. I don't care if you're white skin, black skin, brown skin, yellow, red skin. I don't care if you speak French, Spanish, English, or all kinds of other language. I'm saying to you, my friends, renew your passion first about God. And all these things shall be added to you. Stand, please. All right. I've been standing, you've been sitting about to reach up and stretch. Stretch, come on, stretch way up there. Reach up there. Suck in some air. Come on, come on, come on, come on, stretch. Shout hallelujah. Shout praise the Lord. Shout thank you, Jesus. Now clap your head with some passion. Yes. What a mighty God we serve. <laughs> come on, come on, come on and help me praise the Lord. Give the Lord some passionate affection. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, God. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive because of Jesus. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, you don't have to be like me. And some of you are thinking, thank God. And I'm thinking, thank God, I don't have to be like you. But somewhere in between, let's get alive with God. I would have died today and God called me home. I'd rather be remembered as a man on fire. The loudest, most passionate little Indian you ever saw. Don't call me at 3 o'clock today because they'll be the deadest, most passed out Indian you ever saw. But if you're going to do it, do it with all your heart. Bow your heads, please. Bow your heads. Pastor Matura, the Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning. And I can use the pilot light to be relit 
in my life. Pastor, I'm not here to judge somebody else's love for God. I stand before God guilty. I've been passionate about a lot of things, but not Jesus. So, Pastor, as you close in prayer this morning, I want to indicate that God has spoken to me. I need to confess. I need to renew. I need to sell out to Jesus. Pastor, I'm not here about my wife. I'm not here about my husband, my boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm not here about the denomination or the church or the school. If I have 10 more years or 100 or 50, I want to love the Lord better and more passionately. I want to expose anything in my life that hinders my passion. And when you pray, Pastor, remember me. Nobody looking, but I want to look because I want to pray. I won't call your name, won't embarrass you, but raise your hand if the word is spoken to you and you need to respond. Hold it up, hold it up like you're passionate about change. Thank you, Jesus. Put them down. Oh, my, my, my. You know what? Put them, look, look at me now, everybody. Look at me. Look at me. I'm going to change this right here. I'm going to change this. I'm going to change this. Cancel the invitation by hands only and re-up the invitation by stepping out. Step out. Come meet me. Come meet me at the front. If that's you, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm going to step out for Jesus because Jesus stepped out for me. I don't care who sees me, what they care. If you didn't raise your hand, you need to come on. Come on, hurry. Fill up this altar. Fill up this altar with some people who say, as the deer pants after the water brook when he's running for his life because some hunter's got a rifle or a bow and arrow to kill him as the deer is running for some water to the water brook and is so thirsty he's gonna die unless he gets to the water brook so my soul pants after god oh blessed be jesus have i got any other but anybody else you're gonna step out here anybody anybody else if you come in this is the time to step out Raise up hands in this house. Repeat this prayer after me. Everybody repeat out loud. Lord Jesus, I confess. In the busyness of life, my passion has decreased. I confess that you are right and I am wrong. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding me that my affection should be on things above. And not on things of the earth. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me for being mediocre. And indifferent. Even at times resentful. There are times I've been jealous. Or angry. Forgive me today. I agree. That if I confess my sins. You God. And your son Jesus. Will cleanse me. For my sins. So today, I present myself as a living sacrifice. Wash me. Purge me. Fill me. Fill me with you. With your word. With your gifts. With your anointing. And with passion. And today, I sign up for new zeal. I believe, Lord. That you have begun a good work in me. And you will keep me until the day of redemption. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, passionately. Everybody, everybody.
somebody, everybody. Passionately. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Oh, the angels bow before heaven.